0: Are we supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. That's like so much worse. <laughs> Which is why, like, good thing the cameras weren't around. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've seen me on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hey, 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 lovers! Welcome to another amazing episode of Dates and Mates. There are so many ways to meet your match, from IRL encounters to dating apps to blind dates set up by family and friends. But there's another way that is often forgotten. Arranged marriages. Actually, my sister-in-law's parents had one, and they are still lovingly together today. But for many daters of my generation and my sister-in-law's generation, the practice has faded. Yet now, It's being brought back into the spotlight by the amazing Netflix reality show, Indian Matchmaking. This show highlights the journey of matchmaker Seema Taparia as she guides clients in the U.S. and India in a matchmaking process that applies centuries-old customs to modern Indian and Indian-American daters. If you're like me, when you watch these kind of reality shows, you get curious about what really happened behind the scenes and what went through the mind of your favorite participants on the show as it unfolded. So I did a little Instagram cyber stalking. I found out what I could, but more importantly, I got in touch with one of the breakout stars of the show, Nadia Jagasar, and she's here. She's here today to discuss her experience on Indian matchmaking, her current relationship status, and what she learned from participating in the show. But we always kick off the show with the big headlines of the week. Today, we're talking about the future of creativity. 2022 US Emoji Trend Report is in. (laughs) Then later in Dear Demona, I will tackle this common question. How can I encourage someone I'm interested in to ask me out? (laughs) All right, lovers. Let's dish. These dating dish. Our friends at Adobe conducted a survey of 5,000 US emoji users, and this resulted in. Hot off the presses, the 2022 U.S. Emoji Trend Report. This study explores why, when, and how Americans are using emojis to advance self-expression and communication. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Has anyone heard this on Dates and Mates before? You know I'm all about using emojis as what? Pop quiz. Mood modifiers, right? They tell someone how to read the emotion behind the text. They don't work every time. You probably heard me debating emojis with Kim from Excuse My Grandma because we we have different relationships to emojis depending on where we live, depending on our age, depending on just the, the, the usage, the culture that we're using it in. Are you using it for dating or using it professionally? So I wanna focus in on how to use it effectively for dating today and share some of these insights from the Emoji Trend Report. Actually, Tinder does used to do a similar report about emojis that was specifically just for usage on that app, but I love broadening the scope here and seeing how people are using emojis overall. So get this. Nine in 10 U.S. emoji users use emojis to lighten the mood of the conversation. And I'm always talking about how you need to keep it light and fun in that early phase. So many times we try to gather too much information over text. And that's not really the purpose of the texting part of dating, which is now like an official phase in the courtship process. But here's the deal. Half of U.S. emoji users are more likely to respond to a message if it contains an emoji. Notice I said an emoji. I didn't say all of the emojis. (laughs) But people think that those who use emojis are friendlier, funnier, and cooler than those who don't, according to this report. They also said that using emojis in their communications as emoji users has also improved their mental health. I can't dissect that one. I don't know. So I have to tell you what the top three make it or break it emojis are for dating and flirting, because this was actually in the report. There are ones that will make you more likable, and then there are emojis that will make you less likable. So winky, kissy face, heart face emoji, my second favorite emoji, is number one. The blushing face with three hearts emoji is number two, and the two heart eyes emoji is number three. I use the heart eyes emoji very sparingly because I think it can often get misread. I find that and the three hearts emoji to be very, very flirty. So just make sure you're using them correctly in the right circumstance. And then none of these are gonna surprise you, but I'm gonna tell you anyway, if you want to appear less likable... (laughs) Wants to appear less likable. Okay. If you don't want to appear unlikable, don't use these emojis. Um, number one is the poop emoji, which um I guess like with my daughter's like the 12-year-old set, it's a different kind of vibe. But if you're an adult and if you're listening to the podcast, you probably are. Don't use that emoji like at all. Don't use the angry face emoji. Like, why are we getting angry? We're just de- texting. And number three. <laughs> Don't use the eggplant emoji. That is the number three least likable emoji to use in dating and flirting. So what I take from this report is that emojis matter. They really do. And even especially for younger daters, for Gen Z and millennials, they are more likely to seek out a second or third date with someone who communicates using emojis. And two out of three Gen Zers would not pursue a serious long-term relationship with someone who did not use emojis. They haven't studied in this report much of the impact on uh, Gen X and baby boomers but I see it's happening. Everyone is using emojis, and I want you to be able to flirt effectively and to navigate the dating scene regardless of whether you are an emoji user, you identify as an emoji user or not. They're definitely a great tool to utilize in dating. When we come back, Nadia Jagasar will be with me to discuss her experiences on the show, Indian Matchmaking. I can't wait. Stay with me. Lovers, lovers, lovers. You probably know and love Nadia from the hit show Indian Matchmaking. She was on seasons one and two. You may remember she matched with Vinay and Shaker and Vishal, and she is an event planner. She has designed some of the most amazing weddings. She's the founder and senior event consultant for Euphoria Events. She's giving her second TEDx talk at this year's Dare to be Different event. She dares to be different. She dares to be beautiful. She dares to be talented. She dares come on the show, Dates and Mates, to share her experiences behind the scenes of Indian matchmaking. So please, 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 please give big smooches to the amazing Nadia Jagasar. Hello. Nadia, I'm so happy to have you here. I, man, I am such a fan of Indian matchmaking. And let me tell you, you have some fans. You have some people rooting for you. Uh, two two in my home, certainly. My husband and I watch it religiously. You went through some ups and downs, girl, over the last two years. We got to talk about it. Oof.
1: Yeah, it has been a roller coaster. Okay.
0: So first, just take me <laughs> back to what made you say yes to doing the show? Um,
1: So first, my parents are in an arranged marriage. And so I was like, well, they've been married now almost 40 years. And so if it worked for them, like, why can't it work for me? Um, So that was one thing. And then the other thing was that, like, I had tried every other form of meeting somebody, whether it was through apps, through friends, at a bar, any like every way um, that I possibly knew of. And so I thought I had nothing to lose by trying this as well.
0: Mm. And you're gorgeous. You're successful. What do you think? What do you think was going on before that was really standing in your way of finding your person?
1: I honestly had like multiple theories. Um, One was because of my success that men were intimidated if they were not either equal or doing better than I was. The second was that because I'm pretty, men just wanted to sleep with me and didn't want anything serious. And because I'm fun and outgoing and and all of this stuff, I think sometimes maybe misinterpreting whether my friendliness and outgoingness meant that I was reciprocating mm-hmm. uh, moves they were making or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I think there was just uh, a few things. I'm also very tall. I'm five nine. So when I go on a date, if I'm not wearing flats and a guy who lies and says he's six one on his dating profile, and then he shows up and he's, you know, maybe five ten, and we're seeing eye to eye. It's like, Hmm. Um, so Mm-mm, I think that also girl. is like another factor, like the physical. We got to
0: talk about that. We got to talk about that height thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we do. <laughs> but first, I want to talk more about uh, just your your cultural background is also very unique. For me, I actually was not even aware until um, season one of the show when you talked about your Indo-Caribbean background. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your family history and... Is this something that is is very common to meet other people of a similar background, or is it something where you're kind of like I'm biracial myself and my my family's all mixed up? My sister-in-law is Indian American and my my stepmother is uh Mexican American. So we're like the UN, but I will say a lot of a lot of my life dating and well, frankly living, I kind of felt out of place everywhere that I went.
1: Yeah. So um my grandmother's grandparents were brought from India to Guyana as essentially slaves. So it was in India, it was like kind of the lower class or or, uh, more poor folks who decided to take this opportunity to go somewhere else. And they were promised, you know, money and all of this stuff for for work and a better life. But that kind of stigma that those who are Indo-Caribbean are low class, or were poor, or they came from, you know, not good families has kind of stuck around because that was what people in mainland India knew is that these people came to the islands or to Guyana or whatever. And so, um, it's been hard to explain to people why I look Indian, but I'm not actually Indian. Why, um, I celebrate certain holidays, but not other holidays. Why I this, 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 and there's a lot of Kind of questions around my identity. And I'm not opposed to dating outside of brown men. I have an aunt who uh, married a German guy, an aunt who married a British guy, and we're, you know, one big happy family. And my uncle was like, we need to find you a nice British boy. I'm like, I would love that if my baby had, you know, a beautiful eyes or whatever. But when it came to dating Indian men, I found that even if they were okay with it, there was always this like, slight look i would get from like the parents because the parents maybe knew or they were just not willing to accept that i was like just a little bit different one of my exes wouldn't even let me listen to soca music in the car and i was like i'm sorry this is my car like and this is like one of my favorite genres of music like if you don't want to listen to it like get out of my car um and so it was really hard to to navigate dating and i haven't met someone who's willing to learn about me or my culture or all of the different kind of facets to it. And so that's been um, a real struggle.
0: Wow. You just, you said a whole lot there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I think a lot of people can relate to this feeling of, well, first of all, you know, you're, it wasn't your family's fault that they were even brought there as enslaved people. And I can relate as someone who's African American to to that that I that pain and that stigma and that identity being passed down and people having judgment when they don't know what they don't e- even know, right? Exactly. And it is a it is a lot sometimes to have to explain that to someone, but it's a it's a whole lot to fight against. Even these preconceived notions that people who others might see as they look very similar to you. Mm -hmm. But there's so much there's so many differences and so many so many nuances to culture, even under the same sort of umbrella. Right. Of Indian American. I'm curious, then, in your experience with with Indian matchmaking, because, you know, I I have a lot of friends who are matchmakers. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of matchmaking for the right people. You know, but it, it is it is an investment. It is an investment of time it's for a lot of people's investment of money. And yeah. I sometimes it's disappointing. You go through the whole experience and you think, this person must know better than I do <laughs> what I need. Yeah. Uh, what was your experience working with Sima Auntie? And um did you feel like the matches put forth were different than you would have met on your own?
1: So I actually have a good relationship with her as a person. I think she's, like, a very sweet lady. She's funny. She's witty. It's like, you know, my my aunt just kind of walking around, right? When it comes to matchmaking, I think in season one, the matches that she presented to me, I could see how or why she thought we would connect or why we would be a good fit. And... I was like okay like this makes sense. I think I probably could have met those men out, especially, you know, Guru and Vinay live in New York. We actually have a bunch of mutual friends and I'm sure eventually we w- probably would have crossed paths. But uh my hope was that the people who are using a matchmaker might be more serious, but I don't think that was the case. And so I think that's where my struggle with Indian matchmaking was, was that like, mm. I don't know if everybody was actually very serious about it. And I know in in season two, Simaji tells me like, oh, you need to be more serious. But there's a lot that happens off camera that, you know, people don't see. I'm not going to get into every single example where like, you know, I tried to pursue something or, you know, push something forward and it, it just didn't end
0: up working. Mm. All right. Well, since you brought it up, let's talk about it. <laughs> Girl, what happened with Vinay? What happened? So...
1: What everyone saw, so the cameras aren't with us 24-7, right? We're not the Kardashians. And so (laughs) the scene where he is supposed to come meet my friends was a recreation of actually my best friend's wedding. And it was actually supposed to come meet my best friend from fifth grade at her wedding after party, and he literally did not show up. All of the messages, the texts, and the words that were said were said to me that night when he was supposed to come to the wedding.
0: Um, Wait, that's like so much worse than what we actually Which is
1: why, (laughs) which is why like good thing the cameras weren't around. And so we, you know, the next morning I called him and I was like, are we going to talk about this? And he was like, got really defensive. And then, yeah, like a few days later, he's like, oh, I'd still like to be friends. And I was like, I don't want to be friends. Like my friends show up for me when they say they're going to.
0: Good for you, sister, because I, I find that a lot of times we make excuses, like we get disappointed and we think there must be an excuse. But honestly, like, I don't know Vinay, but, you know, we're talking about him. <laughs> He's not here. So I I really support you in saying that and not just saying I don't want to talk to you, but like my friends show up for me and especially your your partner who you're dating should show up for you right do you think were there any signs like looking back that things were not aligned no up until that point
1: every date we had made was well the one movie date which I was just like okay and then he explains on the show like whenever he had an IV okay fine I looked past that um but then this was a really big one like literally I all of my best friends from like elementary school were at this wedding, all with their significant others. I'm telling them about this guy. I'm part of this show. I'm dating this guy that I met through the show. And like, he was coming to meet all of them. They literally, my best friend and her new husband of like two hours, four hours, were waiting downstairs at the bar where their wedding after party was to meet this guy and he doesn't show up. And the bar literally was like, sorry, we're closing. And I was Mm. like, just so embarrassed. And I was like, wow, of course, like, of course this happens to me. Um, and so, no, we're going to
0: change that narrative. We're definitely right. going to change that narrative and talk <laughs> yeah. about that today. But you know what you did, Nadia, that's so great? Like, even in spite of that, you found the courage to love again, to go through this experience again, and you didn't let that define your story. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. Um, so season two, yeah. fast forward a little bit. Sure. A, a little bit of history repeating, I guess. But... Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so you you met Shaker, he's a lawyer, lives in Chicago. You know, you. I'll be honest, we're just—it's just you and me talking. Yeah, we here. are here. Yeah. When I saw you two together, like season one, I was like, Nah, like I don't think Nadia's into this guy. Uh, You don't have to tell me, but I'm just going to tell you what my philosophy is. And if you feel like adding. My assessment was that the show was like, let's try and make this happen because he's he's a good guy. She's a good girl. We like we like working with them. The fans like both of them. So let's try to make this happen. But it seemed like it really you were friends, but that the romantic to me, I didn't see it as a dating coach.
1: There was very little romance. I we I did have a very great first date and I I will admit that. Like it was wonderful. We had a great time. We talked. We even went out afterwards. But in terms of the the romance, there was very little of that. And But so, you stuck
0: with it. You stuck with it though. So
1: we were yeah, we were friends. We um we actually Tried to take a trip after we met season one. It went very terribly. We didn't talk for a while. Fast forward come season two. It was more of to say, like, look how great friends we are. He can come and hang out with my family. And, like, we everything is cool. And obviously that was, like, very misconstrued on camera. But... Yeah, we uh we were friends. We we get along really well and and we connect and and can talk and be open with each other, but when it came to the romance, the communication, it was lacking.
0: Okay, so speaking of the communication lacking, we have to t- talk about the FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen season 2 of Indian Matchmaking. Pause this right now. Go go catch <laughs> go up. Go watch it. Yeah. And then we can talk about um you you let him down. You you let him down hard. <laughs>
1: so we were already just friends. We were already whatever. It was Seema auntie, who didn't know that we had had been just friends. And so that call was like a little it was awkward to have because it was like we had already gone through this like i had a whole boyfriend during yes. this time and so it was like of course we were just friends but it was like okay well we have to have this conversation so that we can like establish in the the time that like that you guys are just friends and no i wasn't with vishal physically when we were there i was literally with my coworker, Ashley, that FaceTime was 40 minutes long. We had just ordered food and I was like, okay, we're going to go eat our food. So no, I wasn't sitting next uh, to the shawl telling, you know, telling God, Chigar I all love all
0: reality TV. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but he seemed genuinely disappointed. That's what kind of surprised me. Cause I oh. felt like there wasn't the vibe and like, he looked like he was about to bust the tear. <laughs> Since
1: you and me both, because I literally was sitting here watching the sh- like, watching the show at like four in the morning and I'm seeing this scene. I literally sat up with like my mouth wide open, like, what is this? And so I, I had no idea. Like if you were upset, remotely upset, why have you never said anything to me?
0: If you. Well, he slow played that whole thing, you know, like if he was interested, he really didn't, he didn't show that. How
1: much slower could it have been? It's been two and a half years. How much slower can we go? We're in our 30s. like. <laughs> so people have, you know, along the way, all of the advice I've gotten, if a guy likes you, he will make it known. And there was no knowing. And so that was like, I was like, what else do I need to be doing
0: here? Mm. No, that's the thing. You don't have to be doing anything and what I'm always telling people is that when it works it you know the difference yeah you feel it it doesn't feel like oh, I have to put in this much effort yeah. and I really honestly thought you had that Nadia with um with Vishal mm-hmm. and I I was a little caught off guard by that um as it seemed you were too
1: yeah so After we met at the mixer, we did date like pretty actively, like two, we were going out two to three times a week and I left to go to California for a month for work. And he was supposed to, the weekend he, everyone was like, why would you fly out to break up with the, the, he was actually supposed to come and we were supposed to have like a really fun weekend. We were going to go to a Disney. He was going to meet my best friend. Like we were going to have this like romantic weekend. And then that first week that I was gone, like I knew it was going to be hard, but I've done long distance before. So I was like, it's cool. We got this that first week. Like he called me and he was like, "Oh, we have a lot of obstacles. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, where'd you learn that word? <laughs> I was like, this is there were no obstacles before I left. So where did these obstacles come from? And, um, yeah. So like I had already kind of had the inkling that he was like thinking that something wasn't working. And I was like, look, why don't you just come? Like, let's be in person again. And like, we can figure this out. I was like, this is only like a three week thing. It's not forever. Um, and then, yeah, he ended up coming and what happened happened. That dinner was like three hours long and I cried multiple times, but, uh, It was, I think what happened between Vishal and I was actually a normal dating scenario. We met, we dated pretty actively for a few weeks and then one person wasn't feeling it. And so they ended it, which was fine. I think my reaction was probably a little bit more, more emotional than I, it, normally would have been being away for those three weeks. My dad was in the hospital. My coworker and I got scammed out of Airbnb. We got into like a car issues and like everything was just kind of compiling one after the other. And then him coming and and breaking up with me was basically the cherry on top of that. And I think all of my emotions from like the three weeks kind of came out and um, I think it made it look probably a little worse, but I actually respect him for being able to do it in person.
0: Oh, man, I'm always talking about how how important it is to really have have genuine communication. And especially when you're dating somebody and seeing each other three times a week, like, you're really, you're at a point, you're both investing yeah. in this relationship. And that would have been the most tacky if he just broke up with you over text or something. Or right. Or was just like, oh, I can't come. But... Yeah, I definitely f- I I felt what you were going through in that moment. And Seema Auntie was the whole time like <laughs> down on this relationship because you're you were 7, seven years apart, years, yeah. But I mean, 7 mm-hmm. years isn't that big of a deal. So right. when Seema Auntie, I was screaming at my TV. I was like I was like, "Oh, come on, Seema. I know. Let I'd them live." <laughs>
1: yeah. I was like I didn't see anything wrong with it because to your point we had such a good connection like we actually had like pretty deep conversations and like he was really good at saying what was on his mind saying what he thought like we were both in therapy and that was something we had connected on and like I actually really enjoyed my time with him before I left and then part of me was like well if I didn't leave would this have have worked but I I mean, I had to live
0: my life. Yeah, we could play the what if game forever. Yeah. Do you think that the age difference had anything to do with the breakup? No, I don't think no. it was the age difference. A lot
1: of other factors, I think, played into it.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. What would you say, having gone through this whole experience, Nadia, what would you say you're looking for now? Like, If we could dream up the perfect man mm-hmm. for Nadia Jagasa... <sighs>
1: i um i don't know if if my dream guy has changed much more than my criteria had listed before i think you know he's still someone who is ambitious has his own like passion and and hobbies like my my thing is dance or like, like if you're passionate about something i don't care what it is it could be stickers like Share that with me. <laughs> uh Stickers. you know, someone I, I do want a family. So someone who who wants a family, like whether that's adopting or having our own or or blending a family, someone who will push me or vice versa, someone who can also like, I think for me, one of the important things that I've I've learned is that I don't know how to slow down. And so someone who can be like, hey, we just need to, you know, like. Rain it in a little bit. Like we need some me time. I think another thing is that I realized as a planner, I'm always the one planning things and doing things and thinking four steps ahead. Where like, sometimes it's nice to be taken care of and have someone else be like, Hey, I made reservations for us tonight. Like, let's go. We're like, Hey, I planned this trip for us. Like pack your bags. We're going somewhere. And so I want someone who's going to be like, let me, I know you have a lot going on. So let me like, take care of this for us. Um, And I've been working a lot with my therapist on like learning how to go with the flow. She's like, look, if you can make the best of any situation, she was just like, who cares what it is? She was like, you could be eating takeout on the side of the street with someone that you love and it can be like the best day ever. And I was like,
0: that's so true. So slowly learning. I love that. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And uh, what I'm always trying to get myself and my clients to do is just to to come back to the moment because we're so busy thinking about the past, projecting to the future, especially as a planner. yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's what we do. And, you know, doing events like anything could change at any minute. So you have to be, you have to be thinking about all of these potential future scenarios. And it is really a practice. It's a practice to come back into the moment. I also really appreciate you talking about therapy and a positive light. And I think we, really need to continue to normalize that. We're definitely seeing the trend at, at OKCupid of people not only revealing that they're in therapy, but actually wanting a partner who's in therapy because it shows that they're working on themselves yeah. and they're coming to the table as a whole person. So thank you for continuing to thank you to uh, shine. Yeah, light on that.
1: I think there's such a stigma in the like South Asian and Indo-Caribbean communities about about mental health and about going to therapy like oh if you're in therapy you're a crazy person. I think it's it's so important for people to see that like your mental health is health so the same way you go to the doctor for a cold, you know, you need to
0: treat your mind as well. That's right. Do your checkups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Nadia, I know there's season 3 of Indian Matchmaking. I'm going to guess based on the finale that you're not in season three. (laughs) You're moving on with your life. What are you moving on to? We we are so invested in your love journey and your life journey. So what's next? Um,
1: I am potentially uh, doing a a big move pretty soon, um, which uh, is still in the, it's not like 100% finalized yet. So I'm not even going to say, but I mean, the, the, powers that be are, are, working on it. And, uh, I'm hoping that that comes through. I think, uh, that's going to be really big for me. I, I feel like I've gotten a lot out of the tri-state area. So I'm based in New Jersey. I've done the New York thing. I've done the Jersey thing. And I'm, uh, looking for just a little bit of a shift with my business. I, uh, I love weddings and there's so much fun and there's so much love in weddings. Um, But I, uh, I'm looking to pivot my business. So I'm looking at uh, doing singles events. So like more kind of upstream. And I think in the, South Asian and Indo-Caribbean spheres, there's not really a lot of that because it's like taboo to be single. So, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm looking to do that. So I'm hoping to have that first event, uh, before the end of the year, if not definitely Q1 of next year.
0: Thank you so much for joining me, Nadia. Make sure you're following Nadia on Instagram at Nadia Jagasar, N-A-D-I-A-J-A-G-E-S-S-A-R. And check out her event planning company and the new events that she has coming up. You're going to want to get in the know at Euphoria Events NJ. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. I have a crush. How can I encourage them to ask me out? For over 15 years, I have loved hearing your dating and relationship dilemmas and helping you work through them. And today, more of the same. Dear Damona. Damona, help me. I love this question of the week. It comes to us in an Instagram message from Sherry. She says, hi, Damona. I've been listening to you for a few years now. Thank you for always putting out great content and keeping things real. You know me, Sherry. So here's her question. She says, how can I encourage someone I'm interested in to ask me out? I like the traditional way of dating. Man asks woman out on a first date. I'm finding men to not take that leap anymore, though. We chat in the dating apps, and I'll hint at things like, oh, we'll have to save that for when we meet, and then nothing. The reply is often, sounds good, and then silence. I finally decided to take matters into my own hands and ask someone, would you like to grab a drink with me sometime? And the reply, you guessed it, sounds good. <laughs> I lo- I, honestly, this, like, this totally maybe l- LOL. It's the same reply, y'all. But then Sherry asks, is this a sign that I should move on or should I plan this date and tell them that they're up for the next one? Thanks in advance for your help. I'm feeling stuck lately. Sherry, listen, first of all, thank you for your question. And thank you for listening to the show for a few years. We got to get you to this next phase here because you're, you're stuck in the screening loop. I will say you got your answer in changing up what you said and not getting a different response, right? You just get sounds good. So that to me says everything that you need to know. You are talking to time wasters, my friend. You're talking to time wasters. And whether you say the right thing or inspire them to show up for you or you just straight up say to them, I'm asking you out, you got the same response, which says they're not really motivated to go out. And this is not, please don't take this to mean that you are not dateable or that, that you, you aren't attractive to them. There are just a lot of people online who just they're just time wasters and what I love about the second option where you just were like hey cut to the chase is that you got your answer really quickly you didn't have to guess and wonder or wait for a response and this is what I'm trying to get women to embrace with online dating is that we don't need to give why are we giving our power away why are you giving your power away to say I think a man should ask a woman out on a first date why what does that mean to you We really have to face these societal norms that have caught us up and kept us stuck. One of my dear friends and mentors often says, sperm chases egg, right? And like that's biologically speaking, yeah. But social psychology is really made up of a combination of nurture versus nature, right? It's both. It's yes and. And if we are just looking at this biological component, that's just the nature part. But what about all of this nurture? And you've been nurtured to believe that that means something for a man to ask a woman out on a first date. Yet, the rules have changed right under your nose, Sherry. Right as we were sitting here, the rules changed. And if you're in North America, the situation is now that there is not a requirement for a man to ask you out. If he wants to have a date, he might be able to get a date from a woman asking him out too. So that doesn't mean like now men are lazy and no one will ever take initiative. What that means is that the playing field has now been leveled. We have to reexamine our beliefs around gender in every aspect. If we want to say as a woman, I have the ability to provide for myself and I don't need anyone's permission to go anywhere and I can live on on my own and I don't have to live with my parents or a man, I think we don't get to necessarily have our cake and eat it too. So anyone that is holding on to these old ideals of gender and it's keeping them stuck. Like if men were asking you out all the time, then you know it ain't broke, so let's not fix it. But I think you've hit on something that a lot of women write into me about, that when we are yearning for a certain experience. I didn't think it was supposed to go this way. I didn't imagine meeting my partner online. I think if I initiate the first message, that will ruin the courtship and chivalry will be dead. And that's not necessarily true. It's just time for us to re-examine that If we want to advance in other areas, we have to be willing to see what fits for our current life and see if it still is true. So going back to your initial question, how do I encourage someone to ask me out if I'm interested in them? You already, you did the two things. You inspired them to show up for you. You let them know, like, I'm not going to give you these snacks. Texting is a snack, right? So you were giving them a a lot of little crumbs, little snacks to fill themselves up and they didn't have the need for the full meal. Uh, So you did the right thing by saying, I'll tell you that, I'll save that for when we meet. But then you also have to stop contact. Like you can't keep messaging them. And then if the response that you get after that is nothing, then you know, okay, thanks for the information not worth my time and investment. And then that conserves your energy for the next connection. And if you send out the more direct response, would you like to grab a drink with me sometime? Or how about a softer way? Let's discuss this over a drink. let us I'll tell you that over a drink. When are you free? And here is the key. This is going to be the game changer for you. If you are open to this re-examination that I talked about and open to when you get to the point where you're like, somebody's got to do something, you can be that somebody. Dates and deadlines. That's the only thing that makes things happen in this world. (laughs) A lot of people have a lot of intentions, but when something gets put on the calendar, when you start making concrete plans, that's when you get to see what people are really about. So it's that extra step of, Instead of, would you like to grab a drink with me sometime? Let's discuss this over a drink. When are you free? Are you free this weekend? Are you free Friday? But you're doing a lot of things right, Sherry. And you've figured out a way to move things forward and take back your power, take control of your own life and your own schedule and your own own desires in your own hands. So that's all fantastic. But then don't be afraid to... Let someone go if they show you that they're not willing to step up and meet you halfway. And so that's really all it is, is finding that balance and showing someone that you are interested, but inspiring them also to show up for you so that you know that you too can meet in the middle. I hope you enjoyed episode 430 of Dates and Mates. I love making the show for you. I love hearing your feedback. I love hearing your questions. And I love it when you share this show and help me reach more people and spread more love in the world. That's all we're trying to do here. You can send me a question for the show. You can DM me at Damona Hoffman on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can see my emoji usage and whether my style works for you or you want to adopt your own. But I would love to hear your voice in a voice memo or in a voicemail, 424-246-6255, or you can... If you're feeling shy, just text it to me or or send it to me uh, in writing in a DM. But, you know, I'm going to be checking your emoji usage for sure. We'll be back again next week with my friend and fellow love coach, Orna Walters. For those who don't know, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and she's going to be sharing her personal story and also some signs to look out for to make sure that you are in a partnership that is healthy and happy and that you know what to do if you see the signs of domestic violence for yourself or for a friend. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.